Um, have you ever wished you could just disappear and be somewhere else completely and be careful what you say because you better not offend me? Uh, well, now I wish I wasn't here. Often, <laughs> yes. Usually when I wish I was somewhere else, it's under the covers unconscious, but do go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe you would agree with me on that one. Mm-hmm. Well, today we're going on a journey to another dimension, but don't worry, anyone can come on this trip and there are no drugs involved, even though it sounds maybe like that's where we were headed. If not, I promise. <laughs> so get in, loser. We're going astral projecting. I can hear in your voice the smile. I know you're so stoked about this, and I'm equally stoked. We have a lot of opinions, and good luck to the editors. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Christine Schieffer. And I'm M. Schultz, and every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. I cannot wait to talk about astral projecting today. Um, this is a topic we've been waiting for. We finally have been given permission to talk about it because every other time in our lives, I think it's just we've really forced it into all <laughs> yeah. conversations. We talk yeah. about it on And That's Why We Drink. We talk about it in our personal lives. We make our spouses listen to oh, it. Yeah. And they're not cut from the same cloth as us. So not quite. They really <laughs> put up with a lot. So now we're happy to finally have a platform where Yay. we're invited to talk about it. Well, Let's crack into it. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal... Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we got to get into astral projecting, and we're going to start by talking about dreams, one of my favorite topics. Um, do you have vivid dreams, and do you remember them? Every night. Every night. I think you and I have talked about this, too, where we not only both have very vivid dreams, but we both have very dark patterns to our dreams. Disturbing, disturbing dreams. Yes. I think that just comes with the career, I suppose. (laughs) Have you ever had a lucid dream? I've had one when I was very little, and I remember flying around the kitchen and then, like, flying back into my body. And I've always wanted to be able to do it again, but I haven't been able to. My stepmom... She lucid dreams like it's no one's business. That's like, it's not even hard for her at this point. She's been doing it for so long. (laughs) What? Like it's hard? (laughs) Yeah. I've tried to have them. You and I, again, have talked about this so many times where I haven't practiced my muscle to be able to do that. But you certainly have. You are the one that should be talking about this, not me. No, I have, but not very often. But let me explain what lucid dreams are first for the people who, because I know some people have had them and don't even realize there's a name for them. Mm -hmm. And some people have them a lot. So a lucid dream is essentially where you understand that you are dreaming while you are dreaming. So it's sort of like this awareness. And sometimes it can happen like in a snap where you suddenly go, oh, whoa, this is a dream. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you just kind of drift off into that state. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it feels like you're hallucinating or you have the feeling of being like transported somewhere else as you're drifting off. And 
you know, I actually have some tips for you that I'm going to relay later. And there are some that I used for a while there where I was practicing lucid dreaming. And then there's some new ones. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But have you ever had that feeling where you're about to fall asleep and you feel like you can't move your body? Has that ever happened to you? I don't think I've had that one. No, that one sounds like sleep paralysis. That's a just... waking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not had that. Have you had that? I have in terms of I've had sleep paralysis that wasn't tied to any scary, you know, visions or anything. It was more Hmm. just not being able to move my body and a slight panic that, you know, am I going to see a witch crawling from the ceiling or whatever people say that they see? I think I have had that happen a few times, but it freaked me out too much. And I remember trying to like shake yourself out of it. Yeah, it wasn't working. It freaked me out. But we got there. We woke up. (laughs) We woke up eventually. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have an experience with meditation at all? Because that's a big tie into all of this. You tell me if this is a meditation, because I don't know what this is, but I've told you before in the privacy of our own homes that I have this strategy when I'm trying to get myself to fall asleep, and I call it the Iron Man strategy, mm-hmm. where if anyone has ever like watched videos of like a drone flying through a landscape, it's the same concept, but I like to pretend I'm Iron Man flying over those landscapes. And you just visualize and it, right? And I just right? visualize flying and like a lot of like swoops and drops and all that. And it actually really does knock me out pretty quickly. That's amazing. A relaxation technique. I don't know if I'm doing anything for my mental, spiritual health, though. Well, you're going to sleep, which is pretty good. I think maybe some people who suffer from insomnia out there might try to put this to use tonight. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. A hot tip for everybody. I think in terms of like a more common meditation practices, no, I haven't really done much. Do you have any reference points, I guess, to astral projection? I mean, I know a lot of times, for whatever reason, these topics end up crossing over with Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have a couple uh, little references here for you. And these notes say MCU, which through you, I've now learned what that stands for, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. In today's world, it's actually the MCM now that the multiverse exists. Oh, my mistake. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Blame the podcast research team for that (laughs) slip up. Just kidding. No, the MCU, there's definitely some Avengers out there who can astral project. One of them is Doctor Strange and the other Mm -hmm. is Wanda was just seen astral projecting in Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange 2. They... Astral project differently, but I think the more common version that we think of is Wanda, where she's kind of able to tap into other worlds. Oh, well, there's also The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is the Netflix version of the show, the newer version. Mm-hmm. And several of the characters also use astral projection throughout the series, which I think is cool because it sort of like ties into witchcraft a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know? Also, the kid in Insidious, that whole series is based on him astral projecting and like not being able to find his body. So Ugh, what the heck? And then like demons are trying to take over his physical body because it's an empty vessel. That's horrifying. Well, to understand astral projection, we should start by talking about kind of what you've alluded to now, which is out of body experiences. So mm-hmm. where your your inner self, your spiritual self, your astral self leaves your physical body. So as it suggests, an out of body experience is a feeling that your spirit or soul has left your physical body. And this is typically a temporary thing, hopefully. <laughs> Unless you're the kid from Insidious. Unless you're the kid from Insidious. <laughs> <laughs> But people who have had an out-of-body experience usually describe themselves hovering above or near their physical body, which I think is really interesting because I feel like those are the first steps before you can really just like transport somewhere else entirely. Like you're kind of just separating a little bit at a Mm. time from your physical body. Sure. 
And you hear this happening after trauma or a near-death experience like a car accident. I've read a book. It's called Erasing Death, and it's fascinating. There are doctors who've described patients waking up and being able to describe what they saw from the corner of the hospital room where you know, in actuality, their physical body was laying unconscious on a bed the whole time. Even if they had woken up, they would not have been able to see, mm-hmm. you know, for example, the painting behind them or the picture or whatever was on the wall. Or, for example, the, like, operating tools. And, you know, people have woken from these experiences having memories of floating and seeing their own body on the bed. Yes. And so that's one definite example. And people, you know, have had this happen during a near-death experience, a trauma, a car crash, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had like an out-of-body experience? I don't know that I have really. I don't know that I have, but you just described to a T one that my mom had when she was at the dentist and they gave her too much laughing gas. Oh, And she was floating around and she watched them operate on her. It was very creepy. And then she eventually kind of like sank back into herself. But she was able to describe things that she shouldn't have known. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is so fascinating. I think that's one of the most fascinating stories when people describe that. It's so weird to me because my mom has had so many supernatural experiences actively doesn't talk about it at all. And I'm like, yeah, I had to pull that story out of her. And she's talked about it maybe a handful of times. And then she's like, but we don't really talk about it. And I'm like, it's like pulling teeth. (laughs) Good one. I feel like your mom must have had an out-of-body experience. She's lived all sorts of lives. (laughs) She's lived many lives. No, I feel like a lot of people in my family have. This is a very recurring thing, actually, on my dad's side, where a lot of the like paranormal stories I have from that side of the family, they all are about people projecting my aunt and my grandfather in particular, like almost accidentally projecting Mm. to a different location where something monumental was happening. Like my grandfather was not speaking to my aunt. She had gotten divorced and he was very Catholic and he was so upset. They had cut off communication for several months and he and my grandmother went on a trip to like some spa in Austria you know, this was pre-cell phone days. So they were there and just kind of having a relaxing time. And one night he had a dream that he was in a hospital room and he looked down and saw his granddaughter lying in the bed, just sick. And she kind of sat up in bed and looked at him. And then he, you know, like that was woken up and he was very shaken by it and felt like it was different from, you know, your regular dream to the point that he Finally told my grandma and she said, we should just call, you know, I know we're mad and we're not talking, but we should call and make sure everything's okay. As it turns out, they had been trying to get a hold of them for days and didn't know where they were vacationing. And my cousin, his granddaughter, who was about like, I would say like six or seven at the time, had ended up in the hospital with a really high fever. And that night was like her worst night yet. And her fever was extremely high. She had an infection of some sort. And my aunt said it was the strangest thing in the middle of the night. She sat up in bed and screamed, Opa, which is German for grandfather. What? And just... It was like yelling at the ceiling, and they were like, "Wow, her fever must be out of control." And oh, but so they that saw was each they other. Kind of, yeah, isn't that wild? Gives me the chills. But anyway, she's okay now. But all the stories from that side of the family involve this kind of like astral projecting, not necessarily intentionally, just kind of visiting each other. I guess. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, it's one of those things where I'm actually very jealous of. I know. I'm sure there's probably a downside I'm unaware of, but the cool parts are really very intriguing. I actually have um, been able to pull myself out of my body before, but only a little bit. 
what? Then I get scared. <laughs> I would also be scared. I'd be like, go back down, go back down. <laughs> I'm very good at dissociating. And I say I'm very good at it, meaning it's not intentional. I just, you know, it's a trauma response, dissociating and pulling out of my body. And so over the years, I've been able to really practice it and just like, when I'm really, really overly stressed or having a panic attack, I can like pull myself out of my body. Amazing. And for a while I practiced it and I don't feel my physical body anymore. It's the weirdest feeling. But I've never done it to the point where I can like turn around and look at myself. <laughs> I think I'd have a mental breakdown or something. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> ah, anyway, sorry. My big fear would be what if you finally were able to pull yourself out of your body and then even your spirit has as much anxiety as your physical body and then it started freaking out that it didn't know how to get back in. That's my fear. I think I do have that panic and every part of me is like, no, 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 come back. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I feel like my fear is like, oops, now it's going to be stuck that way. Boy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. Astral projection is typically an intentional out-of-body experience. That's the kind of point of it. It's at your will. So the person needs to will their astral body to project elsewhere. You can control it and you're conscious during it. Mm. And in astral projection, the non-material or disembodied soul is referred to as the astral body. And it travels to what's called the astral plane or the astral world, which is Interesting. Cool. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And even more interesting, the astral plane is actually unique to each person based on their own life experience. Hmm. So, you know, what one astral world is to another or might not be the same for another. So some believe the astral world is a representation of this world we know with a lot of similarities, which kind of frightens me. It sounds like a parallel universe almost in my mind. Yeah. Is it better or worse? <laughs> I, I don't so. know. Is it like the same, but they're like your cat's a different color, like things yeah. are a little different. Like I don't how know. How slight is this? How slight of a change are we know. talking here? <sighs> In the astral plane, the astral body is sometimes described as being connected to the physical body by an astral cable Ugh. or astral cord. <laughs> Sounds like an umbilical cord, which is stretchy. So at least technically you can't get too far. I was just thinking that. I can bungee cord my way back. I was going to say, it's like when I used to, like, my mom would put me on a leash to go to the amusement park, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was good. <laughs> She's like, you're just an extension of my astral self. Uh, I'm going to put you on this leash and rein you in. It's like you're nearby, but you can think you're having fun. You can <laughs> yeah, you can live in your own astral world, but really I'm going to pull you back into mine as soon as you eat too many churros at Disney World. Exactly. You know, I was going to say, it's like I've gone rock climbing a few times and it reminds me of those like bungees where they yeah. try to pull you back. Kind of bounce on the you way down. Bouncing around. <laughs> In astral projection, the spirit or soul can travel far outside the physical body and supposedly can do all kinds of miraculous things, which is just a very cool concept. The books I've read about lucid dreaming have this aspect to them where people who get really good at lucid dreaming are able to travel and almost like either get information or visit people mm. that they know or just very cool stuff that you can do once you've kind of mastered this technique, which I have not, but I would love to someday. Me too. Very cool. Coming up, we'll explore where this idea comes from and whether it's all real. What do you think? Any predictions, Em? Can confirm with minimal to maximal certainty that it is real. <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, I don't <laughs> think we need anyone else to weigh in. So we have the ultimate say here. Em Schultz says, it's a go. It's a go. It's a go. 
Of all the mysteries in the world, perhaps the greatest is, when will it all end? Or rather, how? Hi listeners, it's Richard and Molly from the Spotify original from Parcast, Unexplained Mysteries. With the end of the year approaching, Unexplained Mysteries is taking a closer look at some of the most infamous end-of-the-world scenarios in a five-part doomsday special you do not want to miss. Throughout the month of December, discover the many ways people have prophesized our demise, from a religious apocalypse and an alien invasion to threats from space and nuclear warfare. We'll even explore how advancements in technology could be our undoing. Do any of us have anything to truly be scared of? Therein lies the mystery. Listen to the Unexplained Mysteries five-part doomsday special, free and only on Spotify. All right, so let's get into the history of astral projection. So some of the earliest recorded intentional out-of-body experiences date back to ancient shamanism, which reportedly popped up in Siberia around 6,000 BCE. Mm, okay. This is an old-time practice. People have been doing this for a very, very long time. And it's said that shamans could go into a trance state and thus be able to journey to spiritual worlds. Gotcha. So, you know, a reflection of, like, the current meditative practice, I guess. Yeah. There are sacred texts from many different cultures that talk about this, including the Quran, Hindu scriptures, and in ancient Egypt. You'll remember the Book of the Dead, where your spirit has to travel through the underworld uh, with all those different, like, (laughs) tasks and (laughs) puzzles and... Scavenger hunt you had to go through. Yeah, there's, like, a scavenger hunt, also, like, an obstacle course, also... That's what it is, yeah. Obstacle course. The gauntlet... (laughs) Sounded like a whole lot to to really prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, before achieving eternal life, that's what your spirit would have to go through. So we can see aspects of astral projecting through all these different sacred scriptures. And then in the 19th century, mystics really started to love this idea. So Russian aristocrat Helena Blavatsky was one of these mystics who just loved the idea of astral projection. Mm. She traveled the world in physical form, for now, not <laughs> in astral form, <laughs> okay. just to clarify. You have to with this. So. I know, you never know. I think she did both. So for now, she traveled through the world physically, learning about the religions of the Middle East, India, and Tibet. And then she took what she learned and reworked them into her new religious movement called Theosophy. Okay, okay. We've mentioned her briefly on the show before. She founded the Theosophical Society, and that, you know, promoted her new religious movement. And the idea behind Theosophy is that we have an eternal self that exists on a high mental plane but it can travel using different bodies. Ooh, okay. I know, it's fascinating. And in other words, our bodies are vehicles of consciousness, which is just mind-blowing in a way. (laughs) If I were stony baloney right now, I would think about that for the rest (laughs) of the day. I feel like it'd be dangerous to tell me that in any other impaired state. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to think about anything else for the next 24 hours. (laughs) So the physical body in this case is the lowest form of consciousness and the eternal spirit or self is the highest form, Mm. is the idea here in theosophy. And the astral body is one or two steps, depending on who you ask, above the physical body. 
So the astral body is interwoven with your physical body, but it can transmit energy between your physical body and your higher bodies. Oh, wow. That's all right. (laughs) I know. I feel like my mind is blowing up. I can't compute, but I do agree. Like I'm (laughs) (laughs) you're like maximal certainty. It is correct, even though I don't totally follow. (laughs) It's like I don't need to follow to be on freaking board. (laughs) I know you just heard the first few words. You were like, eh. Quit while you're ahead. I'm climbing on and I'm just going to go for the ride. No need to say more. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So when a person dies, their astral body may survive briefly as a ghost, a.k.a. a wraith. And, you know, I had heard of this word, W-R-A-I-T-H, but I didn't really know what it meant. Do you know what it means? No. I mean, through the context of what you just said, I can figure it out. But like, I don't think I've heard that word before. But an astral body, that's a ghost. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it's like a temporary ghost because it's like a faint wisp of somebody. Oh, Essentially, it's often seen before or after, shortly before or after a person dies. It's sort of like an essence of them as like almost a wispy essence of them. Got it. And so this is why this idea of a wraith is often linked to near-death experiences because it's Mm. the idea that like your astral body maybe leaves momentarily and you can almost sense it or see it before (gasps) ascending or leaving your physical body completely, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Also known as the etheric double, the astral body is believed to be a replica of the physical body, but made of ether instead of, you know, your physical flesh, so to speak. That's so cool. Okay. Anyway, Helena Blavatsky taught that the astral body was able to separate from our earthly meat suit. Yum. (laughs) Yum, yum. And travel to new places at our will. And not just in death when your wraith is leaving your body, but actually, you know, and then come back. Follow the bungee cord, I guess, back to your body Uh, and be able to come home. Okay. So she claimed that her spirit could travel across the universe and actually visit different planets. That's a power move. (laughs) She's like, oh, I've been to Tibet and stuff like in real life, but like that's nothing. Guess where I went last night? Neptune. I think in my mind, I always think of astral projection as like something that my brain can compute, which would be just like, oh, going to different locations nearby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The concept of leaving to go like maybe see like an alternate version of yourself or something is not even a little bit. Can my brain allow that? (laughs) That is one long bungee cord if you're going up to Neptune or, you know, the moon or wherever you're headed. Maybe even an alternate reality for all we know. Or a different reality. Great point. Like, wow, I'm glad that that rope thing exists. I know. Pull you back. That's a long rope. (laughs) It's a long travel back to your body. Yeah. So some of her students even claimed they could travel through time. So this is something that I know M is going to get all sorts of feelings about. I'm just so mad that it can't be me. Why can't it be me? <laughs> Emma, it can be you with three easy payments of $39.99. Just Venmo me later. <laughs> okay, if Helena Blavatsky, if you happen to be around in the year 2022, since you can time travel, technically, if you happen oh, yeah. to be passing through right There's now. There's no excuses. <laughs> can your astral body also take students or only your physical body? Did I miss the mark? What happened? You know what? That's a great point. If she's traveling through Burbank on her many universal adventures. Maybe Coming back could... from the moon in 3059. <laughs> Give you a tip. Oh my gosh. So yeah, they claim they could go to the past and the future, which is just a very cool concept. It almost feels like once you are able to kind of master this technique, the world, not even the world, the universe is your oyster. Like anything you set your mind to, you can kind of pull off, which is 
very cool, but naturally also has brought a lot of criticism and debate about whether this is real, whether sure. it's really possible. I mean, as you can understand, people saying I'm time traveling and, you know, whereas we might say, oh, 100% maximal, what did you say, maximal certainty that is true. <laughs> you know, not everybody is going to jump on board the train right away. Sure, sure. So in the mid-20th century, researchers really started paying attention to stories of people who had had near-death experiences. And so there is a body of research out there about this, believe it or not. So in this case, we're talking about when a person dies but is then resuscitated, which Mm. I think is where we get a lot of this information. Because obviously, once someone has passed, they're not reporting to a scientific journal about (laughs) what has happened. But if they come back (laughs) to their bodies and had this NDE, this near-death experience, you know, they're able to share the crazy stuff that happened in that moment. And so people have reported leaving their bodies and coming face-to-face with religious figures or spirits. I personally think near-death experiences are one of the most fascinating concepts Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Modern research on this can be traced back to a man named George C. Ritchie. Now, Ritchie wrote in detail about his experience while he was dead for nine whole minutes. Ooh. Which is a long time for your body to be dead. Just saying. I mean, that's 10 minutes of your family grieving. Like, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. He went on to become an influential psychiatrist with a specialty in near-death experiences. Naturally, neuroscientists studying these out-of-body experiences look to the brain for answers. I mean, as we know, the brain is already very complex and not fully understood. And so, you know, they look to the brain to see maybe this is what's causing it. And according to the cognitive neuroscientist Jane Aspell, there is a part of the brain that takes signals from multiple senses and creates the model of ourself in the world. Mm-hmm. In other words, the feeling that we are located inside our bodies. So there's like a part of our brain that creates this sense of, oh, I am me inside my body, which is Ugh. very trippy. The brain is the creepiest thing. It is. Ugh. We'll never know it all. It's like it's got a little pools that are like the deep part of the ocean we've never discovered. Yeah. It's just like, how does that work? There's a lot of murky creatures with like 18 tentacles down there. <laughs> I don't even want to know what's in there. A lot of dark stuff. But so if that part of your brain is malfunctioning, say you had a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury, for example, epilepsy, lack of oxygen, say you're mm-hmm. nearing death, our brain's model of reality can become warped and this could lead to an out-of-body experience. And so that's Jane Aspell's take on this whole thing. And to an extent, this brain science stuff makes sense. But Mm -hmm. then there's astral projection, which is a totally different thing because it's not just a near-death experience, a traumatic event where your brain is damaged. It's an out-of-body experience that's voluntary that you've practiced and you, you know, want to go elsewhere. Yeah. And so that's a totally different thing. So in 2014, researchers at the University of Ottawa published a study on a woman who said she could astral project. But so for an hour, they had this woman lay still under an fMRI machine, and they would guide her in and out of astral projections. And she was prompted to move her non-physical body in different ways. And these scans showed activity in parts of her brain that were associated with that motion. Okay. So some might argue that this was just a strong or active imagination Mm -hmm. where her brain was just actively working on that process, even though it wasn't being acted out physically. I'm with you on maybe it was just an act of imagination. I feel like the study, they could have gotten a little crazier with their methods. Like, I feel like they should have had, like, 
cards being like pulled or something and like a whole other state like okay now fly over to texas and nebraska count the number of corn cobs yeah (laughs) highway route yeah but i think that would be much more telling but Mm -hmm. i wonder what the limits are on (laughs) right on that and they probably wouldn't even need the fmri machine you know those are expensive just Lay her down and put some cards somewhere and see if she can figure it out. You get it. Yeah, like while she's under, like hide something in the apartment, you know. Why are they in an apartment and not a lab? I don't know. But like... Because <laughs> like, it's you and me doing this study, not real scientists. <laughs> like while she's for sure out, hide this little trinket somewhere. And then when she comes to, she'll tell you where it is. I Without looking. love this idea. This is why we should be scientists. I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> I can say it with a straight face. We should certainly be giving unsolicited advice to these scientists. I think we are. And I think they're just not listening. Right. For probably good reason. <laughs> I was going to say, like, scientists are here right now with us. Okay. Yeah, as if. Oh, they have better things to do. Another study published in 2021 looked at a purported case of astral projection in a 15-year-old boy and noted that he had been suffering from mood and behavioral issues. The researchers cited several possible neurological causes for these out-of-body experiences, so things like seizures, migraines, visual or sensory issues, near-death experiences, psychedelic drug use, and eventually they concluded that the boy's so-called astral projection was just part of him going into a dissociative state Mm -hmm. In other words, it was his way of escaping reality. Another group that took out-of-body experiences seriously was the U.S. government. Of course. I love how they gaslight us saying, oh, you know, none of this is real. And then we find out they're researching UFOs and astral projection and all this stuff. They love to weasel their way into a supernatural research, don't they? They sure do. Just like our friend Isaac Newton, who was studying, you know, the (laughs) The weasel himself, I call him. (laughs) The ultimate weasel. In 1995, the CIA declassified details of nearly two decades of psychic research. Whoa. There was the $20 million Stargate project, which looked into the possibility of psychic spying during the Cold War. Mm. And some of the wildest stories involved even visiting civilizations on Mars. But skeptics ultimately wrote all of it off as hogwash, saying, you know, none of this is real. This is just a bunch of baloney. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is there's no real scientific evidence of a soul. But, I mean, to me, that's almost a given. Like, how would you yeah. prove that? How do you measure a soul? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. You were saying about to sing Rent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, you know what? <laughs> I, you know, I really do wonder, though, like, if in the world of, like, villains like if someone knew how to harness a soul like we'd all be in so much trouble oh yeah that's a good point that ability in the wrong hands would probably be messy let's keep it a mystery let's keep it a mystery so there's not really scientific evidence of either soul or that consciousness can exist outside of the brain i mean i would argue go read erasing death by dr samparnia because he's a doctor and he talks about people who have seen things that physically are impossible unless this were the explanation so sure I don't know. I think it's evidence, but I guess not everybody does. <laughs> I do, to be clear. So You and I do. And that's all that matters. That's truly it. Not any other research. Don't go looking for Maximal it. Maximal certainty. <laughs> but just because it can't be measured by science, and even if it is all in our heads or our brains, does not mean it's not a profound experience or a real experience for those who have had this. And you know what? Maybe the soul is in the brain and it's just something we can't understand. It's 
sitting in that deep ocean part. It's one of those tentacled monsters. That's what my soul looks like. It has 18 <laughs> tentacles. <laughs> Can confirm with maximal certainty. <laughs> Up next, we have the answers you've been waiting for, and that is how to astral project, allegedly. AKA homework I'm finally prepared to do. <laughs> All right. So if you believe in astral projection, which we most certainly do, I want to teach you how to make it happen for you. Okay. Are you ready for your homework that you're finally going to do? It's taken 30 years, but I'm ready to finally (laughs) do some work. finally (laughs) time. So the most common out-of-body experiences happen when you're in a hypnagogic state. And that is that drowsy state where you're kind of awake, kind of asleep, kind of drifting off. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we hear about sleep paralysis happening most often during that state as well. So I do want to warn you, it is also opening you up to those (laughs) kind of experiences. It can get silly. It can get really silly. And the two times I've had sleep paralysis were when I woke up and then fell back asleep. And all of a sudden I was like, cool, none of my body parts are moving. And something's something's broken. broken. (laughs) I messed something up. (laughs) Uh Oh, any moment like spiders are going to be crawling out of the walls or whatever happens when you have sleep paralysis. And now I'm never trying this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. Come back. According to Laura Brown, who is an ascension guide and channeler, there are a few practices that can help you get there. For example, surprise, surprise, there is meditation. Mm -hmm. Basically, Brown suggests you start working a few minutes of meditation into your daily routine. You know, you don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to do like 30 minutes or anything at a time. Just a few minutes. Check out Spotify. They have plenty of options for you. And once you've got your daily meditation practice down, you can try practicing self-hypnosis. Fun. Very fun. Yes, very fun. There are multiple techniques out there to send you into a deeper trance-like state. And we found a couple that include repeating affirmations and visualization. You know, maybe your Iron Man flying through the cliffs can do it for you. I don't know. That's (laughs) me. Catch you on the cliffs, folks. <laughs> what if one day I showed up and you were like, oh, come on. I'd be like, ah, you're trying to fall asleep. <laughs> I was just like hanging off a cliff. Oh, I astral projected here. I think I'm on a cliff and all of a sudden it's your weird tentacle form <laughs> talking about spiders in the walls. It's just ruining your beautiful sleep time meditation. <laughs> oh, that's me. So you'll also want to practice lucid dreaming to help you with astral projection. And this was just a habit I really regret not continuing. It just kind of died off when I got busy with other stuff. But researchers did find that people who hit the snooze button more often in the morning are more likely to have lucid dreams. So you and I are already 10 steps ahead of everybody else, I think. I truly hit snooze minimum 30 times um, every morning. Sometimes you forget to turn your alarms off and every 60 seconds as we're trying to record, a different alarm goes off because you have them set so often throughout your morning. That's me. (laughs) That is very true. I have way too many alarms and yet I find a way to sleep through all of them. (laughs) But when I do snooze them, it's usually because I'm trying to finish a dream. And I think in those moments, maybe I am experiencing some sort of lucid dreaming because I will get back into the dream and... I'll think, at least, I won't address it to anyone in the dream, but I'll think, like, I got to hurry this up because I got to wake up. That is absolutely an example of lucid dreaming. One of the things that they suggest in the book I read about lucid dreaming was to tell people you're dreaming. Like, tell people, this Mm. is my dream. Like, I invented you. And oftentimes they will try to prove to you 
that you're not dreaming. Like they're like, no, I'm real. And it's like <laughs> such a trippy thing because like you're subconsciously creating this conversation where they're trying to convince you, no, no, I'm very real. What are you talking about? You know, it's, it's like trippy. It's so eerie. Well, you know, I wonder if, you know, you're dreaming and people in your dream are having their own dream and you're just a secondary character okay. in it. And there's just like that's a dream world and we're all talking to each other and then we wake up and pretend we were all strangers. That's another concept. He talks about how he had a group of friends who all did lucid dreaming. And so in their dreams, they would like create challenges and say, like, I'm going to write something down. And if the next time you lucid dream, see if you can come find what I wrote down. And they were oh, able whoa. to kind of do this confirmation of, you know, they were actually crossing paths in the dream world. Isn't that creepy? Oh, my I God. Uh, that alone makes me want to learn how to do this so we can do a bunch of tests on each we other. We can just not leave each other alone even when we're sleeping. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll just create an entire escape room in your <laughs> oh, mind. Oh, no. And... <laughs> no. Meanwhile, you're flying through the cliffs. So I have to be stuck in an escape room. Yeah. Another dream researcher suggests practicing mindfulness. And this is the biggest takeaway I had, which is to be aware of your environment during your waking hours, because that will translate to greater awareness when you're sleeping. And you are more mm. likely to have one of those moments where you go, hang on a second, something's not right. right. Like, this isn't my living room or pigs don't really fly, you know, and you'll have a moment where you'll go, oh, and that's when that clarity will hit. And so I know I've told you this on our other show, but the tip I always got was to try to put your finger through your palm and mm -hmm. in waking life as well. One of the suggestions was every hour, set an alarm, just like a vibrate alarm to make a mental note of like, I'm awake and I'm conscious and I'm not dreaming. And then like, ideally, this habit will form where hopefully when you're sleeping, you'll have that, oh, mental check and you'll go, oh, my God. This time I'm not awake. I'm actually dreaming and it'll kind of pull you into consciousness, which is super cool. And it has worked for me before. I tried to put my finger through my hand and it wouldn't go through, but I knew I was dreaming. So I put my hand through a wall and it went through. I was like, told you. That's so crazy. <laughs> I fear for people like me who like I flail a lot in my sleep. Oh, I wonder no. if in my sleep I'd still just do the motion and <laughs> your hand would be still. I feel like my brain would still feel my finger go through my hand and wait in my physical form. And it would be like, well, OK, we're good. We're, we're not fine. Dreaming. Pigs do fly here. It's normal. Yeah. Once you're able to connect with your astral body, Laura Brown says to try to see yourself lifting up and out of your physical body. And once you've mastered that, you can then work on turning around and looking at yourself, looking at your physical body, which is must be so unsettling. I don't know. I am so ugly when I sleep. Like, I feel like I would turn around and I'd be like, oh, my God, wipe your face. You'd be meditating, not sleeping. <laughs> I guess so. That's true. <laughs> you could put on some moisturizer beforehand, brush your hair and then do your astral projection just in case. Right. <laughs> Really get it together, because I think if I pulled myself out and turned around, I'd be like, I'm not going back to that. <laughs> I'm cutting this cord that binds us. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Brown says it can take a lot of practice to really feel it happening. And the goal is to practice getting in touch with another state of consciousness with control. Once you're able to achieve that, Laura Brown says you can start setting an intention while you're conscious to send yourself to a specific destination. So, for example, this is one I would love to do, would be to connect with a spirit guide 
to perhaps go somewhere in the past or future, which I know would be very cool, or maybe find answers to certain questions you have. Fun. And there's one final tip from a professional psychic, which is to let go of expectations, which I think is one of the hardest things to do as a human. But having expectations of what's going to happen can actually close you off from having an experience. So, you know, let it take you where it's going to take you. Try not to control it too much. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Makes sense to me. So what do you think? Do you feel like you'd ever want to intentionally have an out-of-body experience? Do you understand why other people do? Yeah, I would absolutely want to do it. I would have the same fear as you, though, of like, oh, I would mess it up or I wouldn't be able to get back or something. Me too. I think I'd risk it. I mean, honestly, (laughs) what's the worst that happens? I just get to float around forever. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, as someone who has done it, do you feel or have you really had an out of body? No, no, I haven't. Would you want to? Absolutely. And I've lucid dreamed and I've done that thing where I hover above my body which I always thought was just a fun little party trick until I actually learned (laughs) what astral projecting was. But I've never actually, you know, done any more than that. And I I think there's a a fear there that I'm going to mess it up, like you said. So maybe I have to get over that hurdle first. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Well, if we do decide to follow this path and figure this out, there actually was a group during the early days of the pandemic these paranormal enthusiasts would band together to use astral projection as a way to escape quarantine. Why on earth am I finding out after? I know, you know? But we can start over. <laughs> like, for introverts like me, you don't have to get up and leave the house. You can do it from bed. <laughs> you know, I obviously didn't have that version of escaping during quarantine, but I did have VR, which did feel like an escape because I was in a whole other yeah. world talking to people I've never met. That's the closest I think to maybe an out-of-body experience I'm probably going to have for you know, a while. You know, I bet there's a lot of similarities there. That one's certainly easier to do. <laughs> it's just a little pricey, but once you get past the price tag, you're good. <laughs> yeah, for fine. <laughs> no, but I want to know the name of this group. Oh, I totally want to get to well, know them. Well, don't you even worry, because I pulled it up. Of course, it's a group of Redditors, and there's a Vice article about this. The headline is, Meet <laughs> the Redditors Using Astral Projection to Escape Quarantine. So cool. I know. I mean, like, what a fascinating and fun concept. And the article even talked about Area 51 and how, remember that planned raid on Area 51 in, I think it's like 2019. And so they were saying, oh, during the pandemic, like, we can just go astrally and storm Area 51. That's actually so smart. I know. And so the subreddit is called Our Astral Army. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They supposedly even went to Skinwalker Ranch and, you know, military bases and all sorts of fun stuff. So, you know, that's there if you want to do it in a group activity. But yeah, so those are all the cool things. Do you believe that this is actually possible, that astral projection is possible? With maximum certainty. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. There's no way it doesn't exist or it can't be done. I feel like I've just had enough stories told in my family of people who are not the type to go onto our astral you know, warriors or whatever they're called, Astral Army. And this happened to them and they didn't even know how or why. And so I think it's absolutely a real thing that you can harness, you know, by practicing. Oh, yeah. Me too. Are you going to try it? I'll try it. I'll fail, but I'll try it. <laughs> well, with that attitude, sure. <laughs> well, I'll definitely fail the first time, but I'll give it a couple You'll tries. try it. But no, gosh, I could just talk about this stuff forever. I know. I'm just so fascinating. I got to practice. And then if I find like the best methods, I'll let you know. I'll do some test runs on my end. How about oh, that? Thank you, my little guinea but pig. But how fun would that be if you hid things from me and I got to visit your apartment? And That would be so fun. Oh, I'll leave a note now. I'm not going to tell you where it is, though, so you have to figure it out. 
okay, wait, wait. What if you tell me where it is so I can astral project there, but you don't tell me what it says? <sighs> okay. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know what you're saying. It will be in the troll hole. In the troll hole. It'll be a sitting right next to my boombox. Okay. I'm going to come over there eventually. It might take me three years. I'll see you I'll there. Be there. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Taming the Astral Body, the Theosophical Society's Ongoing Problem of Emotion and Control by John L. Crow, Psychology Today, The Out-of-Body Experience, The History and Science of Astral Travel by Anthony Peake, Vice.com, A Journey to Other Worlds by Daniel Miller, How Stuff Works, and Bustle.com. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at BM Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schiefer. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact-checking by Haley Milliken. Research by Sapphire Williams. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. An alien invasion, nuclear warfare, the second coming. How will the world end? Will we be prepared? And will it matter? This December, join Unexplained Mysteries for a five-part doomsday special examining the many theories about humanity's ultimate demise. We're counting down to the end of the year with the most infamous end-of-the-world scenarios of all time. Listen to the Unexplained Mysteries five-part doomsday special, free and only on Spotify.